everybody. And thank you, Beth. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's great to see you here today for our, uh, uh, here, my, our World Food Sunday. And uh, of course, we've got lots of announcements. Uh, in fact, a page plus of announcements of good things going on at our church. Just, uh, just highlight a few things, uh, more, the more timely ones. So next Sunday is our anniversary Sunday uh, with our uh, Laurel being our lay leader and Reverend Greg Powell giving our sermon. And uh, there's going to be an anniversary potluck after that. So we hope uh, many of you will be able to attend that. Uh, another reminder that we still need readers for services in November and December. So sign up at the sheet at the entrance. And you can also do that um, by recording if you would prefer. Also a reminder of um, our new chime choir and the dates of those uh, rehearsals are in the bulletin. Uh, another reminder about the fall food drive, uh, which is starting today. So please remember to bring your non-perishable items to the church until November the 6th. And uh, so we'll be collecting for that. Uh, one more that's not on the announcement sheet. Uh, many of you would know that um, Reverend Marion Boyd has uh, done pulpit supply for us, I think as recently as July. And uh, we just heard news yesterday that she had passed away. So uh, that's a, a very sad announcement. I know um, she always had a very thoughtful message when she came to uh, join us at Grace United. And uh, we are very fortunate this morning to have um, a guest minister, and he is uh, directly behind me. You'll be seeing him in person in a moment. And our, our, this is Reverend Hugh McDonald, and Hugh wrote um, a little welcome in the first person. So I will read it and uh, in, in the first person. So it says, hello, I'm a well-experienced United Church minister who's easing into retirement. My wife, Reverend Janet McDonald, and I have two adult children and two grandchildren. I was the fifth generation of my family on our dairy farm in Cape Breton before I entered the ministry. During our ministry career, Janet and I served in congregations in New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Ontario. Janet still serves the work of the church as the Chief Financial Officer for Shining Waters and Canadian Shield Regional Councils of the United Church of Canada. I've served in a number of capacities beyond congregational work as a Chair of Presbytery and as a member of a conference executive. I also took on the specialized work of intentional intra-ministry, working with several congregations. I also served internationally as a member of the board of directors of the intra-ministry network. Now I'm happily doing pulpit pulp, Sunday pulpit supply when and where I'm needed, working in my garden, woodworking, singing with the Chantry singers, and of course, spending time with Janet, my kids, and I will say, especially his grandchildren. He was just telling me about doing, uh, he's been busy doing childcare all month. So anyways, uh, welcome Hugh to Grace United Church, and I will turn things over to you.
Good morning. Welcome to worship. Bear with me if I seem to slip off into the ditch or over the center line. <laughs> it's my first time here. We recognize that we are on the traditional territory of the Odawa, Mississauga, and Abishinaabeg First Nations and the Métis people, and that we are all people of Treaty 45 and a half. May we continue to work to be in right relations with our indigenous neighbors and speak up and speak out against systemic racism and colonialism. This is our day, a day of rest, a day for peace, a day for hope. This is a day God made for us to sing, to lift up praises, to dream, to become one with the Holy Spirit. This is the day the Lord has made. It's my day, it's your day, it's a day for all of us. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our spirits to wisdom calling. Calling us to God's still, not to believe in static truth, but to see and understand in the relationship, to find love and action, and to Jesus' justice and Open our ears so that we may hear the cries for peace and equality and move towards them. Open our mouths so that we may speak out in wisdom, love, justice, and truth. And let us continue in prayer as Jesus taught.
Again, let us pray. Loving God, you are the creator of all things, including justice. Through our actions, we human beings ignore, deride, and belittle you in our search for what is ours. Too seldom do we give thanks for what we just have. Too often we give in to the fear that we will lose what we have. Help us, God of justice, to take action so that we may see you more clearly and understand you more fully as you continually move about in the life of this creation of yours. Amen. And listen to the assurance Jesus gave to his disciples. Will not God grant justice to God's own chosen ones who cry out day and night? Will God delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to all of them. Have faith, all of you who cry for justice and help others to find faith on earth. Amen. Now let's sing together for more voices, Spirit Open My Heart.
Now it's at this point of the service that I like to do a little something improvisational. Have you ever gone to a comedy club where they do improv? A few? Okay, well, I, 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 that's not quite the direction I'm going in. Well, first of all, uh, just, just a little personal aside, uh, Margaret Bain was, holy smokes, do something to the volume here, it's feeding back. Thank you. Uh, Margaret Bain was one of the ministers of this church. She and Barry were here some years ago. Well, I've known Margaret and Barry for a very long time. And uh, actually, Margaret was one of my instructors for interim ministry. And through that experience, uh, Margaret and I grew quite close. And she actually felt more like a big sister to me who would scold me from time to time when I needed scolding. And uh, I miss her desperately. So. That's the personal aside. Today is World Food Sunday, and uh, just a little further to my own background, yes, uh, I come from a farm background, and I'm really very sensitive about the importance of the production of food. Uh, one of the things I've done is, is any time I've had a youth group to work with, I've really leaned into the, the, the importance of where food comes from, how to grow it, and how to preserve it, and the importance of food security and food sovereignty. Are those, big, are those issues that you folks are familiar with? Have some of you had any involvement with the Canadian Food Grains Bank? I think so. Okay, so... This is not a total mystery to you. Now, I take it that you have been paying attention to the news and what's happening to the, the world food supply uh, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine is a very important producer of food grains. I'll get into that in a little more detail in my sermon, but uh, this is of particular importance this year because a lot of Ukrainian food grains are vitally important to the people of Africa and the holdups at the ports have had a profound effect in Africa so now when I in in my uh, opening conversations I generally stop dead in my tracks and say that's where as far as I'm going to go and well, that's as far as I'm going to go, because there's more to be said later. However, I see that we have something of the story of our faith teetering on the brink of a global hunger crisis. So,
Good morning. <clears throat> yes, the story of our faith today is entitled Teetering on the Brink of a Global Hunger Crisis. Who was Jesus referring to when he advised his followers to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Who is the us? When we say the prayer, we often think of us as referring to ourselves. After all, we're the ones doing the praying. But I think Jesus, who had a broad view of neighbor and family, meant all of humanity, explains Sarah Charters, director of the United Church's philanthropy unit, adding, so I take it to mean give every one of us our daily bread. God has already <clears throat> come through on that petition. There is enough food on the planet to feed everyone. The problem is some have too much and some have not enough. It's never been more urgent that we share. Food security has always been an issue, but the pandemic, as well as the shortages of resulting from the war in Ukraine, have catapulted us into a, the brink of a massive hunger crisis. Right now, more than 50 million are facing starvation. Almost double the number in 219. In fact, one person is dying of hunger every four seconds. In this critical time, your meaningful gifts to mission and service are put to work right away, helping people meet immediate needs by providing energy food emergency food hampers in times of crisis, stocking shelves at food banks, and serving good healthy meals through various outreach agencies. And I am just going to interject here that we all know that our church has had the privilege of being the host church for our community meal that serves anywhere from 80 to 140 each week. And everybody all across our town and outside our town pitches in to help with that. Your gifts also provide longer term support and systemic change by teaching agricultural techniques, seeding the community garden initiatives, and helping neighborhoods set up systems to cope with the impact of conflict and climate change on their food systems. As we teeter on the brink of global hunger crisis, your generosity has never been more important. Please choose to do something meaningful this World Food Day and make a gift through mission and service to help those who are most vulnerable. Together as a united church, we can help the world Jesus envisioned when he taught us to pray, a world where every one of us has our daily bread. song of thanksgiving because we're very fortunate Guiding us 
to the New Testament from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. This is the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God or had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my accuser. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear in God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God just grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he long delay in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly, quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And the last scripture is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And then there's something from chapter four, uh, four in 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound teaching, but having their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, be sober in everything. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. So, um, you folks are not accustomed to having four scripture passages in a service. Oops, my bad. I didn't know that. So, it seems like I've been throwing you curveballs. I, I, I'm going to throw you one more. I've been informed that you don't know this hymn uh, from More Voices, number 169, When Hands Reach Out Beyond Divide. Before we sing it, I'm going, to I'm going to suggest that you channel your inner Stompin' Tom Connors. Can you do that? Because it's got a little bit of a backbeat to it in order to, to run right. What? Uh, just do use your foot.
not so bad. Like my grandfather used to say, better than a poke in the eye with a pointed stick. So this is World Food Day, World Food Sunday, and if you want an issue that shines a bright light on the lack of common sense that the human race possesses, well, this is it. Although the human population is increasing to a dangerously high level, to a point that threatens the survival of the ecosystem of planet Earth itself, the food supply is still favorable. Imagine, if you just look strictly at the numbers. Add into the mix the challenges to the world supply caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Both Ukraine and Russia produce a lot of grain, especially Ukraine. The war being fought on Ukrainian soil, of course, has greatly hampered Ukraine's ability to plant and harvest and ship their crops for export. It was, now little did we know, or maybe some of you know, Canadian farmers, especially in Western Canada, were asked to increase their wheat acreage to offset the loss of Ukrainian production for this year. Fortunately, our farmers were able to meet the challenge. This is a good crop year. As it turns out, an 8% increase, they did it, and an 8% increase in wheat acreage in Canada surpasses the total output in Ukraine. So by the numbers, we've got it covered. But distribution, that's another matter. We should not gloat or rest at ease. The best statistics available tell us that world food production still exceeds consumption. A figure that used to be bantered about when, when I was involved with the Canadian Food Grains Bank, when I was, lived in Saskatchewan in the late 90s, just before 2000, was that we produced 125% of, of, of total need. In other words, the human race produced 25% more food than was absolutely needed. Now, at the same time, there were analysts uh, who worked for the agribusiness sector who interpreted that same information to argue that the world was only 30 to 35 days away from famine on any given day. That argument was used to lobby governments for concessions on taxes, land and water use, seed patents, access to captive markets, deregulation or dismantling of uh, supply management systems, and a broad swath of public policy related to food. Does any of this sound familiar to some of you? Yeah. It was a case of the same information being interpreted differently by competing interests. Now those statistics have changed. More recently, within the last five years or so, it was determined by some that the world food supply was such that, well, it was only 10 to 12 days away from famine on any given day. Numbers don't lie, but in the hands of human beings with mixed motives, numbers can be used to confuse, manipulate, and tell lies. At least that's my contention. 
The trouble with any of these facts is that there is one glaring fact that is being ignored in all of this. Famine is not 35 days away. It is not 10 to 12 days away. For many people on this earth, famine is here. It is now. And very little is being done about it. I did a bit, of, a little bit of fact checking before I printed my sermon off, uh, and I did this on Saturday. Okay, 12 noon, October 14th. No, Friday, 12 noon, October 14th. There were 864,435,551 undernourished people on planet Earth. 1,734,292,031 overweight people on planet Earth and 819,903,653 obese people on planet Earth. Kind of weird, isn't it? On the same day, October 14, 2022, 12 noon, 15,383 people had starved to death that day. The 24-hour period was not complete. You might wonder, where did I get those uh, figures? Go on Google. Type in World-O-Meter. W-O-R-L-D-O-M-E-T-E-R. -E and when it shows up in your search, click on it and it will open and give you a bewildering list of statistics. Food is just one small part of it. Lots of individuals want to do something to solve issues surrounding food, but the mix of competing interests around the world prevents common sense solutions from rising up into the public consciousness. What do we do about it? Well, we don't just sit on our hands and say there's nothing we can do. Another favorite saying of my grandfather's was, raise hell, boy, and put box under it. Do something. Now, whether the circumstances that gave rise to the scripture passages that are heard today were meant to address a lack of common sense, I don't know. But they do address the lack of faith as much as the lack of good sense. Now, Jeremiah's lifetime, I think we read from Jeremiah today, was defined and consumed by the invasion, conquest, and captivity of many of his people. Among those were, who were taken away and those left behind, there was a terrible lack of hope. Hope was one of the antidotes when you're facing something like the lack of common sense about food. The society of the Israeli people was disintegrating. Jeremiah tried over and over again to lift his people up with a message of hope. In Jeremiah's words, God acknowledged that the people were suffering, but God promised new life. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow. New life is promised, 
and the covenant which the people broke was going to be restored. The covenant was not going to have external symbols like the Ark of the Covenant. No, it was going to be written on their hearts. The people would be changed from within, transformed. What Jeremiah was telling them was that their society was changing. It had evolved and now was being forced to evolve fast because of the circumstances they li were living in. How they related to God and how they expressed their faith had to change. Hmm, good advice for us, and, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. That kind of change has happened to our church, to the church, writ large. Forget about denominations. Our society has evolved and changed. The institutional church that we inherited suited another time. Doesn't make sense now. It's not working. We're making some changes in hopes that you know, we can make it relevant again, but perhaps we should reconsider our ambitions. I recently heard a sermon given by Reverend Michael Blair, the General Secretary of the United Church, and he appealed to all of us who were gathered there to use our common sense. He's told us in no uncertain terms that the institutional church is broken and that it cannot be saved. It is being swept aside for something new. Instead, we should seek out what God is blessing for the future. Now, no matter how much our society changes, no matter the events and episodes the world goes through, people in God's unfolding future need to hear the gospel. People now and in the future de deserve the chance to have their lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. What form it will take as in terms of organization and institution, I don't know. This much I do know, it's kind, it's kind of not up to us. What is up to us is how we bear witness now and in the future that we live into each day. Timothy, poor fellow, got an earful from Paul. I don't know what Timothy said or did to provoke what Paul wrote to him. The world was changing fast during that time period. Maybe Timothy got swept up in those changes and, and forgot some of what he had been taught. Paul forcefully reminded him of the basics, that all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, Paul really hammered the message home. I solemnly urge you, proclaim, be persistent, convince, rebuke, encourage. And you can probably see in the subtext, don't give up hope. Now why Timothy deserved such a lecture, we don't know, but the reply he got says a lot about our time. The time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will find teachers to suit their own desires and turn away from listening to the truth and wandering away into myths. 
Good grief, that sounds, that sounds like commentary on the, you know, the political makeup of our, our country and the country to the south, don't you think? A lot of itchy ears. There's a lot of stupid stuff going on. Don't if you want to if you want to get engage me in a in in, in a discussion about politics. Oh boy, I'm I'm game. And you should know that Cape Bretoners bring a special twist to it. Jesus told lots of stories. As we hear, Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray and not lose heart. See, there it is again. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Be not afraid. And what he told was a story about a discipline called persistence. There was a judge who didn't fear God and had no respect for people. Have you ever, ever encountered somebody like that? Somebody who's just, just doesn't, he's a tough cuss, doesn't care. Okay. Enough said. The parable of the unjust judge is surely a good, is good for us to hear as we ponder the events of even the last three years, much less the last 30, and wonder about what is coming in the future. Jesus was preparing his disciples for their service in the world after he was gone. And maybe he had noticed that they were not as effective as they could be. Maybe he noticed that they were losing hope far too easily. He wanted them to be well grounded in the basics. What approach to prayer was needed? He gave them the example of the widow who bugged and the unjust judge until she got what she wanted. Just basic fundamental justice. The widow embodied the meaning of this saying, if you think that one individual cannot be effective, try sleeping in a sleeping bag with a mosquito. Mm. Whether it's it is de in deepening our faith or trying to achieve a goal that serves God's purposes, like bringing more common sense and simple justice into the world, Jesus tells us that the life of faith is recognizable by dedication, persistence, and never losing hope. Amen. Let me guess, you've not done this before either. Oh, you have? Excellent, good. Let us prepare ourselves for prayer by singing through, Lord, listen to your children praying. And I'm gonna make a suggestion. First, we'll sing it twice. First time with accompaniment, second time without. Can you do that? What?
conspire with us to create a world where all have access to nutritious and sustainable food sources and none live with scarcity or food insecurity. Redeemer, save us from oppressive and unjust systems. Mobilize us to be a part of a world response that works in partnership with those of goodwill to foster equitable resource sharing. Sustainer, cultivate our resilience and expand our imagination so that we might continually find new ways to answer the call to end hunger until all may flourish. Amen. Offerings turn our hearts away from our own needs and turn the hearts of those who grant justice to those who demand it. May our offerings be our unrelenting plea to remember those whom others refuse. Amen. Let us close with the singing of I, the Lord of Sea and Sky.
The time is coming, the time is here, proclaim the message and be persistent whether the times are favorable or unfavorable. Encourage us with patience, carry out your ministry fully, and be God's blessing in the world. And as you go, may you trust in the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.